Hello, and welcome to the Hoover Institution Strategica podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, bringing you content from Strategica, Hoover's online journal of national security and military history, which you can find at hoover.org. And in the most recent issue, we're tackling the question, what do the jihadists want? And here to discuss that with us today is Joseph Jaffe, the Mark and Anita Abramowitz Fellow at the Hoover Institution and a distinguished fellow at the Freeman Spogli Institute for International Studies, as well as visiting professor of political science at Stanford. Uh, all right, Joseph, we asked the question, what do the jihadists want? And you say in your piece for Strategica, well, a, a little bit of everything. It's, it's a moving target. So explain that. Well, if you look at the rhetoric of um, the most famous jihadist, um, bin Laden, you see that um, his what he wanted keeps changing. First, it was just getting rid of Americans from the holy soil of um, Saudi Arabia. Then he it was Afghanistan. Then it was it latched onto Israel fairly late in the game, Palestine. Finally, now he kind of delivered himself of a general critique of America, which America had to change and shed its evil ways, its its obsession with sex and capitalism and so on. So from that, I conclude that um, the rolling nature of 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 the of of the proclaimed purposes let make me believe that there, there is no that the purpose is not the real object. Now, to what do you attribute that? Is that a strategic move where Al-Qaeda keeps moving the goalposts so that there's always something else to inflame their supporters? Or does it stem from a sort of confusion that is at the root of their ideology? No, neither. I think that, that terrorism, the goal of terrorism is terror. Uh, and the, and the go- these goals tend to expand toward... In- toward the unreal, which doesn't make me believe that achievement of purpose is not is the real thing. Compare this to, say, the anarchists of 100 years ago. You wanted to kill, you know, the Archduke in order to, to, change, to get rid of the Austrians in Serbia. <clears throat> uh, any anarchist had a limited purpose, changing the regime, getting rid of foreigners. Uh, today's terrorism has completely expansive purposes, which again raises the hypothesis, maybe they want something else. Maybe it's organizational maintenance. Um, Maybe they really don't want to achieve their goals because once they achieve their goals, uh, they will be out of business. So if I may make the comparison, it's a bit like the March of Dimes. Once once, Once polio was eliminated, for organizational maintenance reason, they had to switch to muscular dystrophy. But I don't think purpose, political purpose, a strategic purpose is the issue here. Um, terrorism is about terror. It's about striking fear into the soul of your, your target. And by the way, in that respect, if I may say so, uh, Al-Qaeda has really scored an enormous strategic victory. If you look at how the West, how America has been spending billions and billions on security, on airport security, how we, uh, we uh, the, the Patriot Act, Homeland Security, um, you name it, it's 
they have imposed an enormous transaction tax on the West. And that, I think, is a strategic victory achieved with very, very limited means. So they're playing jujitsu with us. We are the heavyweight and they flip us. You posit the question in, in your piece. You ask, what are the differences between the proclaimed and the actual purposes mm. of jihadist terrorism? And you say one answer is an old one, the propaganda of the deed. Explain that yeah. concept. Well, I was puzzled by the fact that if you take, say, take Palestinian terrorism or any terrorism, it doesn't come with, with requests uh, attached. They don't say, if you do this, we'll stop this. It's, it's silent. Um, there, there seems to be no, no rational purpose attached to it except to strike fear in our heart. Um, so that is the curious thing. How do I deal with a group that blows up people and then remains silent about it? They don't utter any wishes or requests. How do we, what do we make of this? So maybe the action is the real purpose. Maybe it's, it's about you know, going to heaven. Maybe it's about um, uh, gaining honor for your family. Uh, maybe it's about gaining uh, support uh, after, you de- after you're dead. Uh, it's, a, it's a most puzzling thing. I used to... Yeah, and you, you also mentioned that the amount of terrorism that actually um, injures or kills other Muslims creates yeah. real problems for people who want to get at the, the root causes of, of terrorism. Talk about how that sort of confuses that landscape. Well, I mean, certainly Islamic terrorism has killed more Islamists, Islamis, Muslims, than has killed Christians or Jews or Israelis. So, so that is another kind of terrorism. Again, it's a silent terrorism that doesn't proclaim any, proclaim any objectives. You just blow up the mosque of the Shiites or Sunnis. Uh, you, blow, you, you, you blow up somebody's headquarters. Again, nothing attached to it. Uh, so it, I assume, you have to assume it's a, it's a power struggle within the Muslim world. But again, what strikes you is this curious silence. What is it they really want? I don't have any answer for that. What What are the implications for policymakers in the West? If you're if you're thinking through this, and you've presented a vision where there's not a lot of immediate takeaways in terms of well, uh, well, ways that you can deter that, ways that you can um, negotiate with it. What, what does this mean for policymakers if, that are trying to figure look, out a reaction? If there are no demands, or if demands keep rolling forward, then there's no rational bargaining process, tit for tat. We give, you give. Um, and that is the most critical issue about dealing with that kind of terrorism, which is different from the terrorism of, say, the Algerians or the Mao Mao who just wanted the foreigners out and then stop once they were out. Uh, it really means that there is there's only one way to deal with them, which is to contain, uh, destroy, and destroy them. Uh, there is no way, if you have no demands, logically you cannot satisfy demands. So the root causes or please them or pacify them apparently does not work. Hence, it's police action uh, or 
and containment and in prosecution, put them in jail, fight them, kill them. I don't see any rational outcome here where the normal political process of give and take could operate. Final question I'll put to you. You can imagine the case being made that precisely because jihadist terrorism is animated by faith, is, is driven yep. by sensibilities that are beyond the reach of logic, that it's, yep. that it's that much stronger because there's an inherent durability in an ideology that's compelling enough that it can solicit martyrdom and, and kind of really yep. defang this concept of deterrence. Conversely, you could say that precisely that kind of extremism puts a natural ceiling on the appeal of any such ideology. So on balance, do you look at the intellectual framework of jihadism as a, a net strength or a net liability for them? Well, you know, the, the term martyrdom, I'm glad you raised it because I should have raised it myself a long time ago. Martyrdom is, again, not a political quest. Martyrdom is you right. want to get killed and go to heaven or bring honor to your family or material support. That in itself, and since they always talk about each other as, uh, themselves as martyrs, underlines my theory about the non-political aspect of terrorism. Um, so, literally, they want to be killed, if you wish, um, because, it's, because there's a better life, much better life in the hereafter. Uh, that, has, that has characterized faith-based um, violence for a long, long time in the Christian world as well, uh, if you recall. Now, is there a natural limit to, to martyrdom, to, to the kind of unlimited goals? Well, not if you bring in what I call the organizational maintenance imperatives, that terror becomes a way of life supported by crime, extortion, and, and such, and community, and it's a haven or heaven for alienated on earth. And, and, and if you believe the organizational maintenance th theory, then there is no limit, uh, unless it's the limit, limits posed by superior external power, which breaks up um, this nice little solid uh, uh, haven of solidarity. All right, Joseph Jaffe, thank you for being with us. And for our listeners, you can find Joseph's piece as well as our other pieces from Strategica at hoover.org. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you later. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. Thank you for listening.